听，鸟儿的欢鸣，溪水的婉转。听，爱与恨，悲与喜，苦与乐，得与失。听，跳跃的文字，灵动的声音。You're listening to more to read. 欢迎来到轻松调频美文阅读 ，more to read。我是沈听，让我们在这里一起听美文、学英语。今天，让我们一起来听东汉末年文人王粲的一句话，美国著名诗人罗伯特·弗罗斯特的一首诗歌《Spring Pools》（春池）。最后为大家选读的是英国作家伯特兰·罗素所写的一篇关于另一位著名英国作家弗朗西斯·培根的文章。用文字抒发感情，用文字诉说故事，用文字穿越古今。Daily quote. Life is everlasting, and everlasting is Each man has his own ambition in life. In spite of everything, they were determined. 王粲，我们刚才听到的这句话出自王粲的《咏史诗》。王粲出生于公元一百七十七年，公元二百一十七年去世，字仲宣，山阳郡高平县人，在今天的山东省威山县。他是东汉末年的文学家、官员，建安七子之一。是太尉王公曾孙、司空王畅之孙。王粲自少即有才名，为学者蔡邕所赏识。司徒想征辟他为黄门侍郎，王粲因为长安局势混乱，没有赴任，选择南下依附荆州牧刘表，但没有受到刘表的重用。建安十三年，即公元二百零八年，丞相曹操南征荆州，刘表病死。王粲力劝刘表之子刘琮举州投降，因此深得曹氏父子信赖，接连任丞相院、军谋祭酒、赐爵关内侯。建安十八年，即公元二百一十三年，魏王国建立，王粲任侍中。建安二十二年，即公元二百一十六年，王粲随曹操南征孙权，于北环途中病逝，终年四十一岁。王粲在汉末以博学多闻著称，其诗赋词气慷慨，亦讲求骈俪华彩，为妻子之冠冕。又与曹植并称曹王。他出身高门士族，但身遭离乱，对人民的痛苦生活有一定感受。其诗赋感时乱伤，深沉真挚，但情调苍凉，悲而不壮。人生各有志，终不为此一。王粲。Each man has his own ambition in life. In spite of everything, they were determined. Wang Tan. More to read. 闭上双眼，静静聆听。Poem of the day.
pools. Robert Frost. These pools that, though in forests, still reflect the total sky almost without defect. And, like the flowers beside them, chill and shiver, well, like the flowers beside them, soon be gone. And yet not out by any brook or river, but up by roots to bring dark foliage on. The trees that have it in their pent-up buds to darken nature and be summer woods, let them think twice before they use their powers to blot out and drink up and sweep away these flowery waters and these watery flowers from snow that melted only yesterday.春池罗伯特弗罗斯特这些水潭虽说在林中却仍然映出了整个天空几无缺憾像潭边的花儿含澈而颤抖像池畔的花儿即将消失无踪不过不是从小溪或河里流走而是由根部而上是绿叶葱葱把水蓄于其叶芽到夏季树木更茂盛将大自然染成浓郁让它们三思而后施展其力量将泛花的水池和水灵灵的花遮蔽住吸吮干并将其扫荡出雪地雪昨日才开始融化我们刚才听到的这首诗歌 Spring Pools 春池出自美国著名诗人罗伯特·弗罗斯特英文版本由Mark Griffiths为您朗读 中文版本由轻松调频的主持人阿丽为您朗诵。罗伯特·弗罗斯特出生在美国加利福尼亚州的旧金山，十一岁时丧父，全家迁往新汉布舍尔，靠母亲教书维持生活。他中学毕业后进
，成为二十世纪全美国最杰出的诗人。弗罗斯特的诗以新英格兰的乡村为背景，从日常生活中选取题材，然而诗的内容却具有普遍意义，亲切感人。他采用旧的诗歌形式，使用的是普通的口头语言，但他的诗却具有迷人的艺术感染力，自然流畅，意境优美。使人读了回味无穷。More to read， 文字的世界，用心用心聆听。Beauty of words， 伯特兰·罗素是英国的哲学家、数学家、逻辑学家、历史学家、文学家和分析哲学的主要创始人，也是世界和平运动的倡导者和组织者。其主要作品有《西方哲学史》《哲学问题》《新的分析》。物的分析等，罗素不仅在哲学、逻辑和数学上成就显著，在教育学、社会学、政治学和文学等许多领域也都颇有建树。那么，在今天的节目中，我就为大家选读一篇由伯特兰·罗素所写的一篇关于弗朗西斯·培根的文章。那么，由于时间关系，今天让我们先来听这篇文章的上半部分。中文版本由轻松调频的主持人念希为您朗读。由马元德翻译。Francis Bacon by Bertrand Russell。弗朗西斯·培根，伯特兰·罗素。Francis Bacon, although his philosophy is in many ways unsatisfactory, has permanent importance as the founder of modern inductive method and the pioneer in the attempt at logical systematization of scientific procedure. 弗朗西斯·培根是近代归纳法的创始人，又是给科学研究程序进行逻辑组织化的先驱。所以，尽管他的哲学有许多地方欠圆满，他仍旧占有永久不倒的重要地位。Bacon's most important book, *The Advancement of Learning*, is in many ways remarkably modern. He is commonly regarded as the originator of the saying. Knowledge is power, and though he may have had predecessors who said the same thing, he said it with new emphasis. The whole basis of his philosophy was practical: to give mankind mastery of the forces of nature by means of scientific discoveries and inventions. Pagan's most important book, *The Scientific Method*, in many ways shows modernity. 一般认为他是“知识就是力量”这句格言的创造者。虽然以前讲过同样话的，也许还有人在，他却从新的着重点来讲这格言。培根哲学的全部基础是实用性的，就是借助科学发现与发明，使人类能治愈自然力量。He held that philosophy should be kept separate from theology. Not intimately blended with it, as in scholasticism, he accepted orthodox religion. He was not the man to quarrel with the government on such a matter. But while he thought that reason could show the existence of God, he regarded everything else in theology as known only by revelation. He argues that philosophy should be separate from religion. 不可像经院哲学那样与神学紧密糅杂在一起。培根信正统宗教，他并非在此种问题上跟政府闹争执的那样人
，但是他虽然以为理性能够证明神存在，他把神学中其他一切都看作仅凭启示认识的。Indeed, he held that the triumph of faith is greatest when, to the unaided reason, a dogma appears most absurd. Philosophy, however, should depend only upon reason. He was thus an advocate of the doctrine of double truth, that of reason and that of revelation. This doctrine has been preached by certain Averroists in the 13th century, but had been condemned by the Church. 的确，他倒主张，如果在没有启示协助的理性看来，某个教理显得极荒谬，这时候信仰胜利最伟大。然而，哲学应当只依靠理性，所以他是理性真理与启示真理二重真理论的拥护者。这种理论在13世纪时，有一些阿威罗伊派人曾经唱说过，但是受到了教会谴责。The triumph of faith was for the orthodox a dangerous device. Bale in the late 17th century made ironical use of it. Setting forth at great length all that reason could say against some orthodox belief, and then concluding, so much the greater is the triumph of faith in nevertheless believing. How far Bacon's orthodoxy was sincere, it is impossible to know. 信仰胜利对正统信徒讲来是一句危险的箴言。十七世纪晚期，贝勒曾以讽刺口吻使用这箴言。他详细捋述了理性对某个正统信仰所能讲的一切反对话，然后做结论说：“尽管如此，仍旧信仰，这信仰胜利越发伟大。”至于培根的正统信仰真诚到什么程度，那就无从知道了。Bacon was the first of the long line of scientifically-minded philosophers. Who have emphasized the importance of induction as opposed to deduction? Like most of his successors, he tried to find some better kind of induction than what is called induction by simple enumeration. 历来有多少哲学家强调演绎的相反一面，即归纳的重要性？在这类秉有科学气质的哲学家漫长的世袭中，培根是第一人。培根也如同大多数的后继者，力图找出优于所谓单纯枚举归纳的某种归纳。Induction by simple enumeration may be illustrated by a parable. There was once upon a time a census officer who had to recall the names of all householders in a certain Welsh village. The first that he questioned was called William Williams. So were the second, third, fourth. At last, he said to himself, "This is tedious. Evidently, they are all called William Williams. I shall put them down so and take a holiday." But he was wrong. There was just one whose name was John Jones. This shows that we may go astray if we trust too implicitly in induction by simple enumeration. 单纯枚举归纳可以借一个预言做实例来说明。昔日，有一位户籍官需记录下威尔士某个村庄里全体户主的姓名。
，他询问的第一个户主叫威廉·威廉斯，第二个户主、第三个、第四个也叫这名字。最后他自己说：“这可腻了，他们显然都叫威廉·威廉斯，我来把他们照着登上，休个假。”可是他错了。单单有一位名字叫约翰·琼斯的，这表示，假如过于无条件的信赖单纯枚举归纳，可能走上岔路。Bacon believed that he had a method by which induction could be made something better than this. He wished, for example, to discover the nature of heat. Which he supposed rightly to consist of rapid, irregular motions of the small parts of bodies. His method was to make lists of hot bodies, lists of cold bodies, and lists of bodies of varying degrees of heat. He hoped that these lists would show some characteristic always present in hot bodies and absent in cold bodies, and present in varying degrees in bodies of different degrees of heat. 培根相信他有方法，能够把归纳做成一种比这要高明的东西。例如，他试图发现热的本质。据他设想，这想法正确。热是由物体的各个微小部分的快速不规则运动构成的。他的方法是做出各种热物体的一览表、各种冷物体的表，以及热度不定的物体的表。他希望这些表会显示出某种特性，在热物体总有，在冷物体总无，而在热度不定的物体有不定程度的出现。By this method, he expected to arrive at general laws, having in the first instance the lowest degree of generality. From a number of such laws, he hoped to reach laws of the second degree of generality, and so on. 凭这方法，他指望得到初步先具有最低级普遍性的一般法则。有许多这种法则，他希望求出有二级普遍性的法则，等等，以此类推。A suggested law should be tested by being applied in new circumstances. If it worked in these circumstances, it was to that extent confirmed. Some instances are specially valuable because they enable us to decide between two theories, each possible so far as previous observations are concerned. Such instances are called prerogative instances. 如此提出的法则必须用到新情况下加以检验。假如在新情况下也管用，在这个范围内便得到证实。某些事例让我们能够判定，按以前的观察来讲，均可能对的两个理论，所以特别有价值。这种事例称作特权事例。Bacon not only despised the syllogism, but undervalued mathematics, presumably as insufficiently experimental. He was virulently hostile to Aristotle, but thought very highly of Democritus. Although he did not deny that the cause of nature exemplifies a divine purpose, he objected to any admixture of technological explanation in the actual investigation of phenomena. Everything he held should be explained as following necessarily from efficient causes.
。培根不仅瞧不起演绎推理，也轻视数学，大概以为数学的实验性差。他对亚里士多德怀着恶毒的敌意，但是给德满克里特非常高的评价。他虽然不否认自然万物的历程显示出神的意志，却反对在实地研究各种现象当中掺杂丝毫目的论解释。他主张一切事情都必须解释成由质效因必然产生的结果。He valued his method as showing how to arrange the observational data upon which science must be based. We ought, he says, to be neither like spiders which spin things out of their own insides, nor like ants which merely collect, but like bees which both collect and arrange. This is somewhat unfair to the ants, but it illustrates Bacon's meaning. Bacon 对自己的方法的评价是，他告诉我们如何整理科学必须依据的观察资料。他说。我们既不应该像蜘蛛从自己肚里抽丝结网，也不可像蚂蚁单只采集，而必须像蜜蜂一样，又采集又整理。这话对蚂蚁未免欠公平，但是也足以说明培根的意思。Francis Bacon, by Bertrand Russell. Francis Bacon, although his philosophy is in many ways unsatisfactory, has permanent importance as the founder of modern inductive method and the pioneer in the attempt at logical systematization of scientific procedure. Bacon's most important book, *The Advancement of Learning*, is in many ways remarkably modern. He is commonly regarded as the originator of the saying, "Knowledge is power," and though he may have had predecessors who said the same thing, he said it with new emphasis. The whole basis of his philosophy was practical: to give mankind mastery of the forces of nature by means of scientific discoveries and inventions. He held that philosophy should be kept separate from theology. Not intimately blended with it, as in scholasticism, he accepted orthodox religion. He was not the man to quarrel with the government on such a matter. But while he thought that reason could show the existence of God, he regarded everything else in theology as known only by revelation. Indeed. He held that the triumph of faith is greatest when, to the unaided reason, a dogma appears most absurd. Philosophy, however, should depend only upon reason. He was thus an advocate of the doctrine of double truth, that of reason and that of revelation. This doctrine has been preached by certain averroists in the thirteenth century, but had been condemned by the church. The triumph of faith was, for the orthodox, a dangerous device. Bale, in the late seventeenth century, made ironical use of it, setting forth at great length all that reason could say against some orthodox belief, and then concluding, "So much the greater is the triumph of faith in nevertheless believing." How far Bacon's orthodoxy was sincere 
it is impossible to know. Bacon was the first of the long line of scientifically minded philosophers who have emphasized the importance of induction as opposed to deduction. Like most of his successors, he tried to find some better kind of induction than what is called induction by simple enumeration. Induction by simple enumeration may be illustrated by a parable. There was once upon a time a census officer who had to recall the names of all householders in a certain Welsh village. The first that he questioned was called William Williams. So were the second, third, fourth. At last, he said to himself, "This is tedious. Evidently, they are all called William Williams. I shall put them down so and take a holiday." But he was wrong. There was just one whose name was John Jones. This shows that we may go astray if we trust too implicitly in induction by simple enumeration. Bacon believed that he had a method by which induction could be made something better than this. He wished, for example, to discover the nature of heat, which he supposed rightly to consist of rapid, irregular motions of the small parts of bodies. His method was to make lists of hot bodies, lists of cold bodies, and lists of bodies of varying degrees of heat. He hoped that these lists would show some characteristic always present in hot bodies and absent in cold bodies, and present in varying degrees in bodies of different degrees of heat. By this method, he expected to arrive at general laws. Having, in the first instance, the lowest degree of generality, from a number of such laws, he hoped to reach laws of the second degree of generality, and so on. A suggested law should be tested by being applied in new circumstances. If it worked in these circumstances, it was to that extent confirmed. Some instances are specially valuable because they enable us to decide between two theories. Each possible, so far as previous observations are concerned, such instances are called prerogative instances. Bacon not only despised the syllogism, but undervalued mathematics, presumably as insufficiently experimental. He was virulently hostile to Aristotle, but thought very highly of Democritus. Although he did not deny that the cause of nature exemplifies a divine purpose, he objected to any admixture of technological explanation in the actual investigation of phenomena. Everything he held should be explained as following necessarily from efficient causes. He valued his method as showing how to arrange the observational data upon which science must be based. We ought, he says, to be neither like spiders which spin things out of their own insides, nor like ants which merely collect, but like bees which both collect and arrange. This is somewhat unfair to the ants, but it illustrates Bacon's meaning. Thank you for listening to today's 
。想要查看美文阅读节目文稿，欢迎您访问网站 radio dot cgtn dot com。今天的节目就到这儿，我是沈听，我们明天见。